This is S R One. You hit me once, I hit you back. You gave a kick, I gave a slap. You smashed a plate over my head, then I set fire. Magazine on air. And that is a tumultuous relationship, isn't it there? <laughs> this is Talkative on SR1 Sundays. Welcome, welcome. We actually have a relationship I'm excited to talk about that was a bit tumultuous. And the woman is going to share her opinion like 20 years later. Ooh, so, I am invested already. All right. But before we get in any headlines, Anna, how are you? How's your week been? It's been great. Finally, in the middle of summer, feeling like summer. I love 4th of July. I don't know. Really? Yeah. I just feel like it's like the pinnacle of summertime. Although I remember as a kid always feeling like, oh man, after we hit 4th of July, it feels like, okay, now we're over the hump and now we're like coasting back into school time. I got to tell you, though, I was at uh, at home the other day. I hate saying that I went to that store because it's so clunky in a sentence. Yeah. I went to at home <laughs> and and they had all the Halloween stuff out. This was, was like a week ago. I'm sorry. That's four months away. That's three and a half months away at this point. Like I was what about to say that because you say, hey, yeah, after the fourth, it kind of goes downhill as a kid. Right. Into school time. But even as an adult. As the second the fourth was over, everyone's on social media saying, I can't wait for cozy sweaters and pumpkin candles and fall this, fall that. Hey, man, I like fall. Sure. It's lovely. It's but probably do my not, favorite. Don't cut my summer short. Do not cut my summer short. I am no. not ready for fall. I want to enjoy the heat. I want to keep wearing my tank tops because... I don't get a lot of time in my life to do these things as I'm cold all the time. <laughs> so I'm not rushing the end of summer. And I it know. drives me crazy that people are always looking to the next thing like that. I know. It's like, can we just enjoy the season we're in? I swear, we literally only a couple weeks ago hit the official first day of summer. I know. And we're already fast forwarding to the end of October. Yeah. Like, give me a break. No. But that all aside, things are good. <laughs> I like summer. I like fireworks. I'm... Living the dream. How's it been for you? It's been good. Um, yeah, work is picking up again. All because we have busy seasons in the fall. Like that is that is when events are big. So we're really getting prepped for all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I just had a really great meeting with my bosses. I had a little like review, um, evaluation, and oh. it went really well. It was it was great. You know, getting to touch base finally now that I've been there a little over a year getting to just talk about my progress my career goals all that good stuff they're just great people to talk to so it was a good meeting um oh that's so pleasant yeah that was a couple days ago and then friday night i'm sure most most of you listeners out there know this but morgan wallen was in town oh yep my brother and sister-in-law went to that concert yeah so that he was playing at bush stadium right I have no idea. Yeah, well, he must sure. have been playing at Bush Stadium. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and here's why. I'm not a Morgan Wallen fan. I, I only know maybe a couple big hits. Genuinely, probably because my boss plays the whatever random music he has in the office. But I'm not a fan in particular because as Anna and I have pointed out, we don't listen to country music. Right. Um. But I was at Ballpark Village Friday night and it was 
wild because of all the people there for the concert and it didn't really hit me that that was happening I was there for something totally different I was there (laughs) for salsa dancing (laughs) and I'm like that's so funny that we've got this little room upstairs where people are salsa dancing and then the rest of this place is just cowboy boots and (laughs) jean skirts and all that and um but I will say there are some cute boys that like Morgan Wallen. Oh. I will say. Well, and you know, they're probably all like-minded individuals. I think so. There yeah. were some, yeah, there were some, it was a new environment for me to be in because I don't listen to country music, so I don't get to be surrounded by those people. No. And it's a struggle that I never am. But I was just standing there before I left the, the shindig with my friends and I was like, oh man, it's too bad I'm not here for this because <laughs> look at all these people and look at all these guys. And Maybe but, we need to find a country artist that we can like get into enough to go to a concert. Maybe that's what we got to do. Set you up with a guy that mildly likes country music. Yeah, nothing too crazy. No. He can't be like too gung-ho about it. No. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like doesn't actually drive a truck, but... Oh, you know. you know what? No, I don't mind the truck. Oh, okay. Well, good. But doesn't doesn't actually wear a cowboy hat. There you How go. How about that? Yeah, yeah that's fair. Just yeah. for the concert. <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds fun. Yeah. Well, this week, uh, I swear, Barbie, this movie has been hyped like no other. And I saw a headline. God, as much as we've talked about this, I just thought this was absolutely hilarious. So the Brisbane Times posted this article and it said, So far, Margot Robbie's promotional wardrobe of hot pink tributes from Moschino, Versace, and Prada reinforces stereotypes rather than challenges them. Let's see the real Robbie in intelligent outfits that show there's more inside the head of Barbie than the faint scent of plastic. Nope. I'm sorry. She has been, Margot Robbie on this press tour, has been dressed to the nines. Yeah. She has been impeccable. She's wearing things that are totally inspired by every vintage Barbie outfit that ever existed. The iconic, like, swimsuit, the black and white, you know, kind of chevroni looking one. Mm -hmm. Like, she has looked phenomenal. And now she's getting flack because she needs to dress more. What does it mean to dress intelligently, by the way? Does that mean a pantsuit? Does she need to be dressed like Hillary Clinton? (laughs) Or or does it mean something outrageously offensive because that's pushing the edge, pushing the envelope or something, you know? Oh, you mean like when Lady Gaga wore meat on the red carpet? Like, I don't understand. No, I think anybody who's criticizing the way Margot Robbie has dressed for this tour, press tour, is... Got got to be jealous. There is no other answer. She looks phenomenal. She is honoring traditional Barbie aesthetic. And yes. like you said, even historical outfits that we all recognize. And she's doing it in designer wear. She's really doing the exact thing that every little girl dreams of. Exactly. And dressing up like Barbie in expensive designer clothes and getting her picture taken. She's living out a dream right now. And anybody who's attacking that is just... I know. Jealous or I guess it wasn't their dream, but there's nothing wrong with what she's doing. She's no. she is killing it. And this is the only time someone will have the chance to be Barbie. Exactly. Like, just let her and well, let us love it. And that's what I don't get is like it's it's Barbie. It's the Barbie movie. What are you expecting from this? Like yeah. she's not going to reinvent the the character, the doll, right? Like we know what Barbie is. We know what Barbie stands for. She's been around longer than most of us. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like Margot Robbie is not going to go on the red carpet and r- just reinvent herself for this purpose. I don't understand what the expectation was. And I'm really like fed up with this 
attack on femininity. Like, can girls just be girls? And we know, right? Like, for for all the, you know, feminist movement and whatever, we all it really means at this point, I feel like, is that we attack things that are feminine. We, we can't be girly girls that wear dresses and skirts and look pretty. I mean, I thought it was really funny. There was an article I saw recently, and I think this is like not a surprise to most people, that uh, AI study found that uh, conservative women are more likely to be better looking than really? liberal women. Yeah, but think about it. Think about like your, you know, Fox News hosts versus your CNN hosts. I think mean, about I get it. I, I hear you. But also, like, when I go out there and I see that there, I encounter much more, more liberal people. Yes. Then that's saying, okay, so what it feels like to me, and maybe this isn't the real makeup here, but it feels like if there's this much, you know, if, if there's liberal women out the wazoo and then a fraction of women are conservative, how can you say that this smaller group is more attractive when you've got all these attractive people in this larger group because the group's so large? And I don't know. Well, I also think your vision's skewed, I think, too, living in a city. I like, think so. But these Fox news anchors, for example, like, I don't, I don't care for the bottle blonde, like, generic yes. look either. If that's what you're calling more attractive, like... I don't know. I Well, but I think it's more and and this was one thing that I thought was really interesting is it, it, that it's more about like the um pleasant look they have. For instance, like liberal women walk around scowling. They're much more likely to be incensed by something than conservative women, and I think that shows in their outward appearance. And I think that's part of the reason that and and this is like from my understanding, this was like an AI thing. Like they ran, you know, a bunch of photos or something through a database and were like, hey, you know, like which women are more attractive and it happened to be all the conservatives. Yeah. And and that doesn't shock me either because again, like conservative women put more of an emphasis on their outward appearance, on their outward health and, you know, keeping up physical beauty. And their general femininity, like you mentioned, whereas, yes, you're more likely to encounter liberal women who are intentionally trying to offend. Yes. Also, they're like intentionally trying to like make themselves uglier. Exactly. Let me not shave. Let me dye my hair this color. Let me cut it like this. Let me get weird tattoos. Like they're intentionally trying to make themselves less attractive for whatever reason they have, you know, but... For insecurity. <laughs> for I'm going to yeah. get ahead of this. So so they can't insult me. I'm going to make myself unappealing. Yeah. And, and I know it. And then if right. you don't like me, it's your problem. Right. Then you're a bigot. Then yeah. You're, yeah. Okay. I, so, yeah. Speaking of movies coming out, uh, there's a movie coming out called Red. Oh, wait. I wrote it down wrong. Hold on. Talk to you. Red, white, and royal blue. Oh, it's based on a book, right? Yes. Okay. What did yeah. you write? I just wrote red, white, and blue. <laughs> I'm like, that's <laughs> not the name of it. No. Red, red, white, and royal blue. It's based on a book that I think was released in 2019. And that then sounds right. I, it got like a lot of craze and stuff on TikTok. Or yeah, book talk. Book talk, exactly. Right. Um, but it's going to be released. They officially released the trailer. Mm-hmm. So do you know anything about this? No, here's what I do know. I know what the cover looks like. And it's one of these like 
this this is the style now for paperback, like easy to read, you know, like chick flick, mm-hmm. you know, girly books, which is like this particular cartoon style yes. that's on everything with like bright, simple colors and shapes. And it, it looks like anything that you've bought in that genre in the past four years will fit seamlessly on your bookshelf on a shelf and be cohesive. Yeah. I Which know is exactly. to say like, I'm kind of bored of it, but anyway, well, you're not going to care about this. Yeah, no, I know. I'm not, I'm not talking about this because I'm saying people go, go watch it. I'm just bringing it to your attention. You know, we want to give you the highlights, right? Mm-hmm. Red, white and Royal blue is about essentially, it looks like two, I didn't read the book, but um, a U.S. like diplomat or whatever, you know, someone related to the politics, presidential like mm-hmm. camp, you know, and then um, someone, oh, prince in England. Oh, the son of the U.S. president. So they're making oh. him the son of the U.S. president and a prince in England are rivals, but for some reason have to fake a friendship and then they fall in love. Yeah, enemies to lovers. Enemies to lovers. And Uh it's, you know, a gay relationship. And it's all it's all in the political sphere. So who knows? This sounds like the worst possible way I could spend a Saturday (laughs) is reading or watching this. And I'm curious because so back in like March, a movie came out on Netflix called Bros. Oh yeah. Well, and that that came out in theaters first. And oh, did you hear about it was the in flat theaters? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it did not do well. No, it did terribly. It says the film received, and this is about Bros. The film received generally positive reviews from critics, but it bombed at the box office, grossing one or fourteen point eight million worldwide against the production of twenty two million. And I think it's interesting that the beginning of that said that critics loved it because i'm thinking exactly we've got the small group of people who are reviewing things who are creating things who are praising things but then we've got what is the reality out there with the population of the country and the world of what we want it's not connecting so make that i know well the thing about bros that was funny if i'm recalling correctly who can you remind me who's in it or who produced it uh was it it's judd apatow Oh, no, that's not the name I was going for. Somebody else. Anyway, I'm sure he did produce it. I believe you. But that wasn't the guy that got incensed by this. Nicholas Stoller. He's the director. Anyway, anyway, not the point. Uh, But he was basically like, you know, oh, you're a bunch of homophobes for not seeing this movie and supporting it. And, you know, this should have done really well. It's like. This is not the first time that somebody involved in production of a movie has made a an all call to audiences and said, like, if you, you know, support black people, then you better go see this movie. If you support, you know, gay people, you better go see. It's like, that's not how entertainment works. I'm not spending my money to go and like support an agenda. Right. I'm going to entertain myself. I'm going to, you know laugh for a couple hours in the theater and eat some popcorn and have a good time i'm not going to prove that i'm not a homophobe all right guys when we come back we've got some more headline highlights for you and uh some interesting gossip from rebecca romaine about ugly betty so stick around
magazine on air. Talkative. Super Trooper lights are gonna find me, but I won't feel blue. Magazine on air. Like I always do. Cause somewhere in the crowd there's you. All right, guys. Well, you may have noticed this is not the ABBA version of Super Trooper. And if you're a diehard fan, then you may be chastising me for playing the version from Mamma Mia. But I did this for a reason, and that's because it's very topical. So I saw this headline that I have mixed feelings on. And Emily, I would like to get your take. Okay. And I would also, listeners, like to get your take on this. I can't decide how I feel about it. So... This bride had just gotten married, and at the reception of her wedding, her mom, dressed up like Meryl Streep's character in Mamma Mia, came on stage and did the performance to Super Trooper at the reception with two of her friends, I think. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, so... So you seem pleased by this. Well, I wouldn't ever want my mom to do it, but I think that's a really fun idea. (laughs) Okay, well, so here, I don't know. I'm torn because I think it's really cute, right? Like in the movie, in Mamma Mia, when this happens, it's super sweet. Like her mom gets up on stage and it's like, oh, yeah, mom, like you used to do this. And it's, you know, a passion of yours and it's cute. But I'm thinking like in real life, okay, this is my wedding day. This is my wedding day. And my mom just like, practice this whole thing and like stole the show i don't know maybe that's not very sensitive of me maybe that's me like wanting to hog the spotlight but it's like you only theoretically get one wedding you know Mm -hmm. so i don't know i mean i'm i'm sure it's it's all case by case what is their relationship what does this mean to them if it didn't mean that much, like if it's just like, hey, we both love this movie, love this scene, but out of nowhere, it was kind of this big surprise, then I might agree with you. It's like, seriously, mom, this <laughs> is my day. What are you doing? Well, but right. if it's like a major inside joke, if her mom's a perf- if they're both performers, like you don't know the story it, behind it. So I'm sure true. there's now if she did it at the Bachelorette shindig, whatever that looked like, that would be actually more true to the movie. That would have been cute. That would have been cute. That would have been real cute. Yeah, actually. Uh, yeah, and actually, now that you say that, I'm definitely team. Do it at the Bachelorette. Yeah. Like, or even the bridal shower if they're, you know, I don't know. Right, not everybody invites their mom to the Bachelorette. everybody invites their mom. But <laughs> but I think it's super cute in theory. I don't know. I was like, eh. She got, uh, apparently, according to the article, it was very well received by the bride. And, you know, I, it good. was super I sweet. will say, if, if my mom did that or whatever in a life where that, she would never do that. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, our, yeah. Yeah. But. I would be mad because I want to wear the glitzy costume with the bell bottoms. Like I would want to be the one performing and getting the costume. So I'd be kind of mad if my mom like stole my thunder, but mostly also just like kept it to herself. Like maybe if she surprised me and said, look, I got you a costume. Join me. (laughs) I could be like, okay. But yeah. um, no. But you're not going to want to change out of your wedding dress on your wedding day. No, that's true. That's why do, do it at the Bachelorette. Yeah, do, do it, it at the Bachelorette and then this could be really fun. Yes. Yeah, agreed. So guys, pro tip, surprise your daughters at the Bachelorette or bridal shower, not the wedding. Yes. But cute idea otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we left segment one there, Anna teased that I was going to talk about Rebecca Romaine. And she, if you know the name... 
I know her most from her role on Ugly Betty. Me too, actually. Yes. I'm sure is not why she's famous. No, I think <laughs> she did some like X-Men movies or something before that. And I she think was, she was a model. She was a model. I was yeah. about to say, and she was a model. I remember she had a short stint on a show called Pepper Dennis. Um, I was just a kid when all that was out, but I just remember the commercial because the song was catchy on the commercial. Um I don't remember uh, was the song, it the, but was it was it the like the big black horse and the cherry tree. I, was it the what? Yes, yes, it yeah. was woohoo. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about with horses, <laughs> but yeah, it's like woohoo, and then the commercial. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll play it for you. I didn't watch the show though, but um, I did watch Ugly Betty, and Rebecca Romaine played a transgender character, and we are talking like 2006 ish or something yeah. like that. So this was not as you know, in the spotlight being talked about the same way as it is in 2023. To be fair, if you never watched Ugly Betty, Ugly Betty was very uh, soapy. It was very soap opera-esque yeah. in terms of the drama and the, you know, this person lied. Oh, we murdered them. And the, the intrigue and the like plot lines. So for that to have been a plot point was not didn't come across like such a statement it really it did not come across and hey yes again i was a kid but i do not remember it feeling like an inappropriate thing being thrown in my face it didn't feel like a statement there were a lot of really really traditional things represented in that show you know when <laughs> that's maybe a stretch <laughs> well I, I mean in regards to like working at a magazine you know women are women and the columns that they write yeah. about are all very very like expected and you know you get your snooty characters and you're this and that so the transgender thing it didn't feel like a message and but it did feel appropriate given the type of drama that they liked in the show you know the sibling who disappeared but came back and was now a chick you know yeah whatever so that's kind of she was a brother character that turned into a woman not yeah. in this show she just showed back up as a woman mm-hmm. and she comments, Rebecca Romaine has recently made comments about this character and this role she played. And she said um, that she really wanted to do that character justice. And looking back on it, she thinks that it was really a great, um, like, pivotal time to help propel this, you know, acceptance of these characters and representation and the article mentions, hey, we've got shows that are being rebooted these days, you know, like Will and Grace and Charmed and Arrested Development um, that are talking about being revived. Do we think Ugly Betty could join that list? Do we think there's a revival of Ugly Betty in the works? And Rebecca was like, well, you know, I don't know. But if if it were to be revived i don't know what my role would be because honestly i think that character should be played by an actual transgendered person and not by me you know and i'm just thinking but i don't know i how can we have it both we can't have it both ways right we go to the muni and we see because we went to the muni recently anna and i did and saw beauty and the beast and we're looking at this stage and we've got black actors being cast as who was traditionally a white character in the cartoon mm-hmm. this is acting is it a big deal generally no unless you're trying to do something shady or push an agenda that would bother me but i don't mind if we m- make believe this characters whoever they are color wise as long as they are still representing the same character generally speaking 
I think that there is some wiggle room there. I'm not trying to be too much of a stickler. We're talking about, you know, acting. It's a, it's a fictional thing, you know? Sure. However, we can't have it both ways. You can't go saying, I can turn any character I want into a Hispanic character or a black character, whoever. But when it comes to gay characters and transgender characters, we have to make sure they're actually gay and transgendered people. Well, that's what I was actually about to say about the role in the first place that even, you know, I was in middle school when Ugly Betty was on and I watched it. Like I was very into the show for most of its run. And I just remember thinking, like, how insulting for Rebecca Romaine to be playing a transgender character. Like, she's a very statuesque, tall woman, and she's got kind of a deep voice and strong, angular features. Mm-hmm. She's beautiful. Obviously, she was a model. But but it's got to be kind of an insult to say the best that you can do is you can play a man pretending to be a woman <laughs> on a show. I do, and, yeah. It, you know, and I always thought that was kind of funny as a kid, but... Now I'm thinking, you know, if they were going to do it, I'm glad that they did it that way. And if they were going to reboot it, I don't understand why are we refusing to let people act? Like if the point is to be an actor on a show, then no, as a prerequisite, I don't think that you actually have to be a trans person to play that role. The point should be that you should just cast whoever fits the role the best. And especially... And maybe this is the part that's different now than it was back then. But especially because, uh, you know, I think in most most of the time, trans people are not very good at passing as the gender they're (laughs) trying to pass as. Most of the time, they're still, you know, men are bigger than women on, you know, on the whole and their features are more masculine and their voices are deeper. And so when you're, talking about like this character was supposed to be exceptionally well passing Mm -hmm. as a woman, then maybe you're, unless you cast, you know, a Dylan Mulvaney who's boyish and like waifish and, you know, whatever. But that would be personality wise. Right. That's not going to get you what you want. Exactly. It wouldn't. So I don't know. You're in a, in a tough spot here. I guess you'd probably be better off casting a slightly masculine woman. To play that role. Exactly. You know, and if that gets the point across, then you did a good job in casting. And why did you need a trans person to do it? I think an additional problem, if there weren't enough, is uh, (laughs) if you're going to accept that a trans woman is different than a woman, you know, that that a trans woman Mm. should play the role because a trans woman is a different thing than a woman... Then you're, 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 you know, you flipped your hand there. You're, yep. you're actually, that is a, that's a, a great point. point. And it's funny that you say that because that actually reminds me of a video that I had just recently seen and I can't for the life of me find it. But the video was basically talking about the English language and what is the purpose of an adjective? An adjective modifies a noun, the noun being a fact. It's not mutable, like it's immutable. So when you say trans woman, you're modifying the word woman, Mm -hmm. except what you're actually doing is you're saying that's a different thing. A trans woman is not a woman. A woman is a woman. A trans woman means something else. It means a man that's pretending to be a woman. So what you've done is you've taken a word and you've modified the fact by communicating that adjective in front of it. And I just thought that was a really good point because when you say, you know, what kind of coffee are you drinking? You say iced coffee. It's still a coffee. When you say it's hot coffee, when you say it's vanilla coffee, it's all coffee, right? Mm-hmm. When you say 
what kind of woman is that? Oh, an old woman, a pretty woman, uh, whatever. That's all still a woman. When you say trans woman, you're no longer talking about a woman in and of itself. Like false teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like false teeth, like false modifies teeth. What does it do? It means not a tooth. It means not, not <laughs> that's true. That's exactly that's right. True. Yeah. So I just thought that was a great point. Uh, no, I do. I really do like that point, Ethan, because exactly that, like you cannot, ha- you can't have it both ways. And that's what it keeps coming down to is you can't keep saying, you know, we want anybody represented to be able to play any role, but at the same time on the roles that we find most important, it has to be truly a gay person, a trans person, a black person. Well, it comes down to this word representation. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, but you can't request representation that way because now all you're doing is filling a quota. That's Mm -hmm. not, and and you're modifying other things to make that work. And if I, as a viewer of the show or performance, am now not convinced of the reality of the world you created, you've you've done it wrong. Exactly. You know? And that's why I was saying, like, if we go see Beauty and the Beast at the Muni, for example, and they decided, okay, the family unit of Belle and her dad, they're going to be a black family. I'm not too disturbed by that. As long as the characters are the same, I don't mind it. I do not mind it. Because that is a fictional piece of work anyway, you know? But well, if you're talking about trying to represent historical things and accuracy of of things that have foundation and something else, then don't make it something that now I can't believe it because you're representing things that aren't, that wouldn't have been there, that aren't realistic or that aren't. Agreed. But I actually would disagree about the Beauty and the Beast thing. And, And it may be minor because it's not a, they don't dwell on this too, too much, but this is a fairy tale that's set in, you know, provincial France. Exactly. Like, were there black families in this area? The, no, probably not. And I, I do agree when you say that. But it, the reason it doesn't bother me is because it's, it's, uh, it's fictional to begin with in this sense. Sure. And if you were to say, well, then it's important that everybody looks like they could have lived in France. But that doesn't mean that they're any more of an ancestry that would have been in France anyway, just because they're white and you don't have to question it. So I don't know. Like that doesn't yeah. bother me as much, except for the fact that I did think Belle's dad, his character wasn't portrayed as well. Like I didn't care yes. for that actor's portrayal of the dad just because it didn't seem like it had the same spirit that I wanted. They took yes. a different direction, but that's kind of beside the point. But anyway, Rebecca Romaine's commentary on this. If they brought back Ugly Betty, I do not think it's a show that I would want to probably watch. No. Because I imagine they would decide to do a lot, a lot of different messaging there. Um, but on another note, Judith Light is in Ugly Betty. Yeah. She plays the the head of like the magazine, the mother of the family. The mother of Rebecca Romaine. The mother of Rebecca Romaine. Um, and I just adore her. And I just... Wanted to yes. put that out there. She plays a great <laughs> villain. She does. She plays a great villain, which is such a different role than her "Who's the Boss" character, where I like was most familiar. Yes, but, but I mean, you can't mention "Who's the Boss" without oh, wait, doting gr- on Tony Tony Danza. You're talking about the girl with the shoulder pads. Yes, the episode? yes, <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah, I like. She's her an ugly Betty. Well, mm-hmm. you're talking about everybody in that era. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she's pretty extreme about it. Yes. Well, guys, we are headed into a break, but stick around for some music talk. Talk it in. 
magazine on it. SR1 Sundays. Talkative. Magazine on This is Jessica Simpson, by the way, if you don't know this song. <laughs> so at the beginning of the show, I teased that I was going to talk about a tumultuous relationship. So, oh, okay, okay, yes. <laughs> I, I actually know where this is going. Okay, right. great. So, Jessica Simpson, if y'all remember, and Anna and I, we have talked about this before, so it's not news to our listeners necessarily, depending on how long you've stuck with us. But Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey, they were a couple for actually a pretty brief stint yeah. in the early 2000s, and they had a reality show, Newlyweds. And on this show... You got some pretty not pleasant insight into their relationship. Well, this was an interesting time in reality TV, I feel like, because it was just barely burgeoning and Mm -hmm. people didn't really have it down to a calculated science yet. So I feel like a lot of what we saw was actually a little more real. It really was. Yeah, a little bit more of what people's interactions are truly like in their lives. It wasn't so so manufactured and it wasn't so much, we need a plot for this episode. Let's fake this drama. It was pretty much a little more mundane and vulnerable and honest. So we were really getting insight into Nick and Jessica's first year of marriage. Mm -hmm. And the the roles they ended up playing was Jessica was kind of just this really ditzy, like, I don't know how to run a household. I don't know how to do laundry. I don't know what tuna is, you know? (laughs) Is this chicken or tuna? It says chicken of the sea. Mm -hmm. Like that's a famous line from that that show. I know. And then Nick was kind of a real jerk. Well, it's interesting because what I didn't realize at the time is that there's a seven-year age difference between the two of them. She was young. She was really young and he was an established adult I know, male, which and is crazy now as I as I am older and I can understand the the impact of a seven year age gap between like a twenty two year old and a twenty nine year old. And, right. You know. But yeah. she has recently been interviewed and asked about this. Well, Gen Z has made newlyweds kind of go viral again because they just discovered the show, I guess, and it's been all over TikTok about like what is wrong with Nick Lachey? Yeah, because <laughs> at the time, people weren't really calling Nick out on his attitude and his rudeness towards Jessica. And not to mention, as far as tabloids go outside of the show, he was painted to be a normal, good guy, regular, cute, whatever, star. So he wasn't really getting the attention of being a jerk of a husband that no, he should have been getting. The attention was all on Jessica for being ditzy. All on Jessica. Mm-hmm. Which it, in hindsight is like, guys, she was so young. She was so innocent and naive. Yeah. She's genuinely trying to figure out like, you know, how do we, how, how do I do this stuff? Like, just help me. I want to, you know, yeah. I have ideas. Oh, like, she help was me do so stuff. innocent and just so sweet. But and he's so short with her. He really is. He has no patience. Mm-mm. And, but things are coming out now and people are finally like taking a look at it, I guess, thanks to Gen Z, maybe. Um, Jessica is now married. She's been married since 2014. She has three kids, you know, and she was recently asked about this time in her life. And she really doesn't actually talk about it too much. The interviewer was like, hey, you know, people are saying that, yeah, you're maybe a spoiled brat on that show. But Nick was the problem. He was so mean to you. And they have a lot of negative opinions about that. And she kind of just shrugs. 
you know she doesn't defend him she doesn't sure. defend him which i don't blame her but but i thought it was pretty classy of her that when asked about this that she was like well you know like basically if that's how people see it like you right know, hey hey the, it was on camera yeah the cameras were rolling like, and we have footage i don't know and then yeah she, i i like that she really doesn't get into it she just kind of says yeah she shrugs about it like that and then she goes on to say I, I, that was that was me that was me yeah it's still me i'm still someone who might throw all the laundry over the balcony onto the you know foyer floor because i just that's me and I'm not basically I'm basically not ashamed of that time in my life. It was embarrassing maybe, but you know. But I think that's really really cool of her because I don't think she should be ashamed of that time of her life. Yeah. I think, you know, yes, maybe she said some things that are laughable in hindsight, but again, she was so young and she was so innocent and when you watch the show, you really now at least get that impression of Oh my God, she's just a kid. Yeah. You know, she's just figuring things out. She's never lived on her own. She's now married and she's got this husband that's quite a bit older and he's pretty domineering. And, yeah. you know, she's just trying to figure it out as best she can. And all we did was sit and make fun of her for a couple of years while she did all this live on television. And I think it was extra hard. That early 2000s era was really like, if you look back at the imagery of it, like all the movie covers were just blondes with v-necks and short skirts and yep. like this dumb blonde thing was really in at that time and she was the epitome of it so it was really easy to just make her the target at that time and i know it wasn't fair it's interesting because i she pops up every now and then she doesn't she doesn't look so great these days. Um, she looks like life's hit her a little hard. And I know that she struggled for a while with alcoholism. And there was a clip that was going viral of her on Ellen once where she was mm -hmm. just completely wasted when she was on her show. And uh, she's sober now and has gotten her life back together. But I just, you know, she's been through some stuff, I think. But that kind of brings me into something I wanted to talk about, which I don't know if you've seen this, Emily, uh, but I keep seeing brands now that are promoting basically like sober lifestyles and not for any reason, not like everyone's an alcoholic and let's all give up alcohol, but just, you know, hey guys, like, I don't feel good when I drink. And why does every event that's social have to revolve around alcohol? Can we just go out for a night and have, you know, conversation in a, you know, in a cozy atmosphere that's not a bar? Does it have to always revolve around this? And I thought this was really cool. So there's um, some like places that are doing these pop up like sober bars, basically, where they make mocktails and things. And so you get all of the fun of a night out without the hangover, essentially, you know? Yeah. And I think it's really cool. A lot of brands that are making non-alcoholic spirits. So you can even get the taste if you enjoy the taste or, you know, close to it if you're, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's missing the alcohol. You're missing a little something flavor-wise. But, you know, for like I think it's kind of cool I've seen it around a lot I've seen people making you know like sleepy girl mocktails like you know <laughs> oh I make myself like this you know tart cherry juice drink before bed and it's supposed to help you sleep better and it has all the aesthetics and the fun of getting a fun cocktail while you're out but it's but it's non-alcoholic well, and not bad for you then you know what tastes the same with or without alcohol <laughs> what uh, a dirty martini 
<laughs> well, and well, I don't think anybody's going to like me, though, if I go out and order olive juice. <laughs> but I do think about doing that. Well, that's the only thing. I, <clears throat> I don't like martinis unless I, they're so dirty. It's just olive juice. Yeah, pretty much. I, I order <laughs> extra dirty <laughs> Tito's right. martinis. <laughs> well, but the problem is, you know, and I go out to just a, a handful of bars. Um, some don't even have the the materials no 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 that's what i'm the saying olive juice. they call it vermouth or something oh no know. no vermouth is in a martini but they should all have olive juice oh, okay. that's Whatever. odd anyway mm-hmm. but no but that's the thing is right like bars don't accommodate this for the most part most most bars have some one version of an na beer maybe on yeah. tap that you could get but that's assuming that you like to drink beer for one and two like most girls are going out wanting cocktails and fun things and you know like different flavor profiles and then you're stunted you're like okay i guess i can sit here and drink uh, yeah. sparkling water or no, that whatever is, that is interesting because it's it's a commentary also just on the shift in socializing mm-hmm. and how we want to interact with people and I think that's really interesting. Gen Z's got a lot of things that are surprising me that they seem to Same. be just they just seem unintentionally insightful, like, a little more wholesome. Yeah, almost just be not even because they're trying to be, but just because it's like this is the different thing to do now. This is the pendulum swinging, you know. So I right. guess let's do these these things, and it just kind of ends up being a little more wholesome. And I'm like, that's kind of interesting. I kind of like it, yeah. but I, I think that this, you know, mocktail trend, I've seen celebrities talk about it. I've seen, you know, there are brands that do pop-up sober bars. There are brands that do, you know, non-alcoholic spirits. And, yeah. there's, and there's a lot more of them than there used to be, you know, even a couple of years ago when I was pregnant and I like desperately, desperately had a craving for beer. Like there, there are now like, you know, there's like sparkling water with hops in it. So it tastes kind of like a beer, but it's literally just a sparkling water. Hmm. Like they make all kinds of stuff now that caters to this lifestyle. And I think it's really cool that it's gaining traction among people that are not even like suffering from alcoholism. They're right. just, they're, they're just like, you know what? I don't feel like drinking and it's cool to do that now. And I think that's really a neat trend that's gaining traction so maybe we'll be the generation that like stops making drinking a thing yeah who knows who knows maybe so speaking of socializing i had a bunch of friends that took a little trip the other day to kansas city because taylor swift was performing i think it was friday she was in kansas city yep and i was invited to do this i just didn't want to spend the kind of money that it would have entailed oh i know just to see taylor but um i'm sure it would have been a great time but all my friends went and saw taylor swift and also taylor just released her taylor's version of speak now oh right the album and i really like this album um it's one of the ones that i did listen to even though i didn't follow her too much longer after that but there is a specific lyric that got switched in one of these songs oh why you well here's why the song is better than revenge okay and the original lyric in this song is she's not a saint and she's not what you think she's an actress she's better known for the things that she does on the mattress oh yeah that's a that's a fantastic line. That's what However, makes that song so biting. It 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 is. But now Taylor's gone through her whole <clears throat> her whole feminism journey, and oh, this is this eye is roll slut shaming to imply that this girl 
is not as good as me or she doesn't she's not as valuable as me because she's better known for the things she does on the mattress. So she's gotten a lot of commentary, everybody in anticipation for Taylor's version of the song, wondering if she'll switch the lyric out. And sure enough, she did. So now it's uh, she's not a saint. She's not what you think. She's an actress. And then he was a moth to a flame. She was holding the matches. Oh, so it really I it really kind of puts it on him then. I feel like now he's the subject of the failure, which I think is probably what it should have been always. Right. Right. You know, but yeah, because, yeah, if if your guy's going to like ditch you for another girl, you should be mad at him, not the girl. Right. Even if no matter who she is or what she did, it's ultimately on him. Right. Uh, But I do think it's interesting and her fans. They're like kind of split. Some are like. Yeah, like, thank goodness she changed it. That, like, she needed to. That was a problem. It was slut-shaming. And others are like, um, okay, that's fine. But on the other hand, like, her journey into her deeper feminist values, this is one step along the way. And it's kind of historical that she's documented the line that she did there. She didn't need to necessarily change it because it shows her growth that that was that part of her life, you know? Well, I mean, at this point, though, that's kind of the like whole thing with her re-recording so yeah i mean it's not like that previous version is nowhere to be found right you know exactly. what i mean you like, can still listen to that version although i do agree with that in a lot of ways because that sentimentality i think is mostly lost these days mm-hmm. people want to rewrite history they want to you know you can't make a mistake and god forbid you said something that was young and dumb and you know they want to eliminate it they want to eliminate it they want to chastise you for it and there's no such thing as growth that all being said i don't think this needed to be changed i don't think there's growth to be had here i think that um you know if you want to call out a girl for sleeping around then go for it well do you guys know about the paramore thing with the same pretty much the same exact thing no they they had that song misery business yeah um uh However many years ago that would have been very o- long time over, now. <laughs> over 10, 13, 15 years. Twenty? Yeah. No, not ne- not nearly. But um, and <laughs> yeah, she had a lyric in that song where she because the song is about like hating an, on another girl. Yeah. And she calls her uh, she calls her a whore. Can I say that on yeah the radio? <laughs> um, she calls her a whore, and uh, I'm sorry that'll never change. Blah blah blah. Uh, she gets under fire for that lyric. She's defending it here. She's like she's like well I wrote that because it's like. Uh, you know, the aesthetic, you know, like the, the philosophy that I had, I'm, I'm a cool girl. I'm not like the other girls. That's what I'm trying to convey there. So, well, your first thought is like, oh, well, then she's right. If she takes that lyric out, that changes like who she's, who she is, like who she's right, conveying. Like right. that, that's, she wrote the song that way on purpose. And now people are telling her to change it. Don't be like who you are. Don't have the thoughts you had. Yeah. Not well, to mention thing. it was acceptable dip- probably when she wrote it. Definitely. Exactly. Anyway. But no, no, she, she apologized I and stopped singing it like that. Oh, yeah, it's it's see. hard because it's like, at it's intentional in that it felt like it was portraying her, but additionally, it was just acceptable when she wrote it too. The masses yes. were not criticizing her then, so why would you, in hindsight, go back and force her to change something that you were actually fine with back then too? I think that people are so afraid to be shamed for any decision they make that they're unjustly asking writers to change what they've written people that do this people that write and are artistic they have a reason for writing things the way they write them it's not on them to change what they wrote for you right so bottom line i don't really care what taylor said 
like it's her prerogative to say it. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of our show. So lots to think about this week. <laughs> and uh, stick around for Last Call with Ken Krieger up next on SR1 Sundays. This is SR1.